0: Thank you In MLS, has finally fallen, and the last remaining team with zero points has finally registered a victory. This is the SBI show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Skalarcep, and it was a busy weekend in MLS. And I know there's always the hangover after the international break when you're when you're a soccer fan and you've watched your national team play, and it it, it almost it, not that it's a letdown to get back to league play, but it's uh, there's there's it nothing quite like the international breaks, uh, especially when you have important World Cup qualifiers. Uh, I know a lot of of you listeners out there were very happy that the U.S. won the match, and and before you know it, you had to turn your attention to MLS, and it was definitely a a good week of action Uh, in MLS. uh, I know some people will dispute... Uh, how good it was especially because of all the red cards uh, that's the new epidemic now in MLS uh, the rash of red cards there's a lot of t- lot of talk about that we'll definitely get into that later in the show we'll also talk some Americans abroad uh, there, there was definitely some news on that front with Mr. Matt Miazga making his debut for Aston Villa we'll definitely touch on the NASL uh, coming back to action uh, they've returned uh, week one uh, is in the books now and there were a couple of uh, there were a couple of 0-0 games, unfortunately, but there were also some impressive victories by some teams who, who, who early on are looking pretty good to start the season in the ASL. Uh, we'll of course touch on the Abby Wambach situation. There's plenty to uh, get into on that, uh, but before we before we get into any of that, we'll start off with MLS Week Five. Uh, we're, uh, the, the red card situation is is it's a, it's, a, it's there's something going on here, obviously. I know a lot of people are upset, a lot of players and coaches are upset with all the red cards. Uh we've seen now 16 red cards through 5 weeks and uh you know, there's a lot of talk about it it's ruining the game and the referees are t- are, are taking uh taking liberties with with the new mandates handed down by the league. I definitely get all that uh that, that concern, but for me I, I, we've seen this before. Anyone who's followed the league closely knows that we've had situations like this where referees have a new mandate to crack down on, on, on whatever it is, certain issues at the time, uh, certain plays, certain types of plays. And, and inevitably, you're going to get these kind of situations where you'll get a spike in red cards um, as players adjust and as, as referees adjust. And that's what we have going on right now. Um, and the thing is, for me, I, I mean, looking at some of these calls, I don't have a problem with many of these calls. I mean, 16 red cards in total. I don't think all of them have been straight red cards. But looking back at, at them all um i i didn't have a problem with uh, with many of them I, I thought a lot of them a majority of them were legit totally legitimate i thought a couple of them were uh, borderline but you could definitely see how it would be called in terms of just flat out wrong should never have been a red card under any circumstances situations there have there have only been a very small few of those so for me i don't have a problem with it I know a lot of people do. There's a lot of uh, up, uh, clamor about it. You're getting players now being very vocal about it. Uh, I did find it interesting that uh, uh, the main people that are up in arms, or at least being really vocal about it, are defensive side players. Whether it's defensive midfielders who obviously make their make their money on on tackles and slide tackles and and, and being physical, and and you know they don't want that taken out of the game, obviously. Uh, defenders or goalkeepers. <laughs> Goal, you know, if you're a goalkeeper, you want your defense to be able to do whatever it takes to stop the opposing team from scoring. Uh, the only person that I saw who didn't fit any of those categories who actually had a complaint about it was Bruce Arena. And let's not forget now, Bruce Arena is the coach of Mr. Nigel De And if I coach Nigel De I would definitely not want referees cracking down on slide tackles and and hard tackles, hard challenges. Um, although I do think it's funny that. Uh, on the Matias Laba red card, you see Nigel De Jong race in from about 30 yards away to tell the ref referee it, it was a red card challenge. He said, hey, ref, that's a red card. And I'm like, really, Nigel Young? You of all people are sitting here trying to get a guy a red card? Like, come on, man. Like, that's that was, that was funny to me. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but we'll get into those uh, game by game real quick. Uh, this is going to be a somewhat abbreviated show uh and no guests today uh couldn't couldn't get that to work out we'll, we'll get it going we'll get it going i know i've been saying it for a few weeks now but uh it, hopefully this week we, we can hammer that out um i know we had a couple of guests last time uh we'll try to get some guests some coaches some players uh, to get that ball rolling uh this week but kick things off mls week five uh the biggest game of the week was for me real salt lake sporting kansas city real salt lake posting the 2-1 victory at Children's Mercy Park, formerly Sporting Park in Kansas City and that's a huge win for RSL. You know we've been saying for some time now that uh RSL has looked like a better team that they look like a team that's going to exceed expectations this year and this is a vic- this is a statement victory for them. To go into Kansas City, uh, to go into Kansas and, and get that win, I mean that's huge. That's huge for Jeff Gassar's men. Uh definitely instill some confidence there and 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 their attack you know to get to, to put two goals in on on a really tough sporting casey defense now i know matt Beasley was out and again he's out with, uh, recovering him from a concussion and i said it in the previous show or two shows ago that you know th- this matt Beasley concussion situation is something that needs to you know you need to keep an eye on this because it could he could be out for a while i mean i you know i ran into him i i saw i was coming off my flight uh in columbus and he was actually heading onto his flight we had a chance to talk and He really didn't look good. He really, I mean, he was really feeling the effects of the concussion that he had suffered uh, with the national team. So, I mean, this isn't, I don't think this is something that's going to be like a one, you know, he already missed the game this week. He's already missing training now from what I'm understanding this week. So, uh, it could be a while and and hopefully it's not too long of a, you know, uh, hopefully it's not to turn into anything too crazy for him. Uh, You know, definitely one of the good guys, one of the nice guys in in the business and and one of the best players, uh, you know, best defenders in the league. So, you know, hopefully for, for his sake in case he say he's back, but they didn't have him. Uh RSL uh scores two goals in on the road and gets and gets a win, and now they're one of only two unbeaten teams left in the league. Uh and credit to them, credit to Jeff Cassar's men. You know, they they when they consider when you consider that they had the Champions League at the start, uh, where they first started to show signs that, you know what, this could be a better team than maybe we expected. Uh, they're starting to carry that over, and their defense has been solid. I mean, for them, and again, they didn't have Nick Romano in this match. Jeff Atonella started in his place, and, and without Antonella, without Kyle Beckerman, uh, without and Olave, for them to be missing those guys and to pull out a victory on the road, that is impressive to me, very impressive. And the youngster, Justin Glad, uh, he's one to watch for sure, for him to step in there. And and playing central defense uh, against a tough opponent, and then to score a goal, I mean that's huge, a uh, huge performance for him, uh, and for a team in RSL that you know I still think that you know they need some some defensive depth to emerge there. Uh, I have questions about the depth on their defense, and, and Glad looks like he could be an answer for this year for them. As far as Sporting Kansas City goes, uh, they just weren't really clicking. Uh, even in their attack, it, it, it left a little bit to be desired. They obviously had they had possession. They had their share of possession, but they just, you know, they they got the one goal, but they really, you know, the late penalty, but they they couldn't they couldn't do much more than that. Um, this is going to be one of those games you shake off. I, I don't think I don't think Peter Vermees will be too worried about it, but uh, big win, big win for ourselves. Uh, moving on now to the first week, the first match of last of week five, New England, New York Red Bulls, New England with the 1-0 victory, and the big talking point off of this match was of course the. Red card to Felipe Martins of the Red Bulls, and now here, here's one for me. I, I, I didn't think it was a red card. I, I thought, if you want to talk about the the spectrum of red cards, this is on the, on the end that that of the bad calls of the of the, of the clear calls. And, and and but here's the thing, right? At, it's clear now, and it's been it was made it was made aware it was made clear before the season that studs up challenges, sliding tackle challenges. Will be will be punished. Will be frowned upon. It's not necessarily a straight red if you slide tackle, but if you go in slide tackling and it looks and you you know and you go and you make contact with a player studs up, chances are you're gonna get a a red card. Now with the Felipe thing, it, it, it didn't even look like he got him, uh but he went down. And 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 here's another thing. If you here's like a tip for all you players in the If you lose the ball and you're gonna go chase it down. Don't chase it down and then slide tackle because I, I feel like I don't know how often we see that in in the world's game all over the world not just in MLS but we've seen it a few times in MLS players losing the ball and then in their rush to chase it down they they commit a clumsy challenge and 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 uh, Philippe to to be fair to Felipe that it wasn't the most out of control challenge it wasn't really at all a really out of control challenge but the referee sees him go to ground. He sees uh he sees the the opposing player just go down a, a, a in a heap and I, I know players are selling this stuff I know players are, are are gonna embellish some but you have to watch yourself it's clear referees have a mandate and and that's not to say never slide tackle but be under control don't if you lose a ball then don't you know don't make you know don't in a haste kind of sloppily go in on challenges I th- I feel like that's when you see the most. Uh, that's when you're going to see the, 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 the potentially injury-inducing type tackles. And I think that's what referees are looking at. They, they want to see players under control. And you can go in on a challenge, but when you lose a ball and then you're kind of like chasing, racing to get back into the play and you're a bit out of control, that's when, a bad, that's when a bad thing can happen. And that's when you can definitely get a red card. And I think that's what happened to Felipe here, even though I think he didn't really get it, get make contact there. So uh, I think that was a tough one on him. But still, you know what? Credit uh, the other talking point. This was uh, New England uh, scoring a goal uh, while the Red Bulls had a player down, and there's definitely a big debate about uh, is it fair play? Should should, the, should New England have kicked the ball out if you know Kamal Lawrence was down injured? Uh, the injured players who is who allowed Juan Agudelo to be played onside when he when he when he sent the ball over? Um, so it, you know, for me, I, I kind of subscribe to the, the 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 idea that you play to the whistle and. As much as it's ideal that there is fair play and that, you know what, you kick a ball out if a player's hurt, you're, you're not under any real obligation to do that. You're not. There is no rule. You could say it's an unwritten rule. But, obviously, teams and players are going to look at every situation and, deci- and make, decide for themselves, okay, is this guy hurt or is he not really hurt? I can't say see- – I'm trying to play. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to – you know, I'm trying to – uh, make a play happen, like, and, and if like I don't have time to like observe, I don't have time to evaluate this opposing player who's on the floor. Obviously, look, if a guy has a bone sticking out of his leg, or if he's bleeding, and, and it's clear as day, or if he's completely unconscious on the on the ground, then in those situations it's clear. But unfortunately, the problem is you. you there's there's so much diving, there's so much play acting going on that it makes it tough sometimes for players to know wh- whether or not. Uh, an opponent is really hurt, so uh, I don't have I don't have a problem with what New England did. I, I you know if anything you can look at the referee and say should the referee have stopped it? Uh, I think that's a bigger question than than whether or not the um, the actual decision by the Revs should be criticized. I mean I think I don't think it was a banner day for 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 Mark Geiger, and I I hate I always say it, but it feels like I, I say it every game he he officiates that that there's controversy. That there's questionable calls there's there's calls that decide a game and change the course of a game it's just a trend with this guy and i mean i i mean i you know i'm the biggest uh, I'm, I'm the biggest supporter of people from jersey and he is from jersey but he's like a one guy i'm mean, like I, i'm looking f- i'm looking for him to find some consistency and it continues to elude him or at least avoiding controversy and i know he has his supporters out there who will say Oh, you know, it's not his fault. He's, you know, he's not doing anything wrong. Look, I, you know what? When he has game, when he starts having games that are solid, I'll be the first one to say, hey, that was a good game, Mr. Mark Geiger. But I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. It's been a while. Uh, moving on to the Chicago Fire, defeating the Philadelphia Union 1-0. Big win uh, for Mr. Velko Panovic and the Fire. Uh, a win at home. It wasn't the prettiest. One goal wasn't, it wasn't, it was never going to be a shootout. Uh, um. You know the fire. They're a very defensive-minded team. They'll pick their spots. They they I, I'm still not sold on them as a team. Um, but this is a good win for them. And obviously, and this is another game where the red a red card was was an issue. And this is Warren Creval. I got no problem with this call. You can't come in from behind. I mean, whether it's straight red or second yellow, he's gone. He was on a yellow. If you're on a yellow, you can't. You got to watch yourself. So I, you know, I don't I don't have a problem with that call at all and i didn't hear much complaint about about that call so in terms of the red cards and all the questions about there being a too many of them i didn't this, there was not a problem with this one and obviously that made things tougher and of course the thing with philly is they you know they had, they had to be, for me they had the better of the play in this game they they had more chances in this game uh, especially early, before the red card um but they didn't put them away and and that's still if you're the union you have to be able to put away your chances um and they paid the price for that, and they they didn't they didn't score any. And and credit to the fire, the fire did put in a a, a good defensive effort. Ca- effort uh, Kapelhoff, Jonathan Campbell, good job uh, b- by that defense as a whole. Uh, the, still questions about their attack. I'm still not sold on them being able to beat the elite teams in MLS with that attack. But you know what? It's a victory. It, it's a bit of a confidence booster for them, and it's something to give their fans some reason to you know to believe and have hope that maybe. This is going to be a different year. Maybe there's something that's actually being built here uh, by Panovich And you know what? It's a, it's a starting point. 1-0 victory for the fire. Up next, Colorado Rapids with another victory. They defeated TFC 1-0. Uh, another game with a red card. I feel like every game is a red card. I'm just sapping. It's just this handful that, that have had red cards that I'm 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 touching on here. Uh, now, this one, whether straight or... The guy had a yellow already, right? He goes in now. It, it doesn't look. He didn't like throw an elbow, but it's you know you go in you go in high, that high with a pointed elbow, and you catch a player in the face. That's I mean there's always going to be the possibility that you get a you get a a yellow card there. There there is absolutely so, and, and and let's not forget it's always easy to look at these plays in slow motion and say oh well, you know that shouldn't have been a red card, but in in the in the live live action. It can look pretty bad, and and when you watch that that play live action, it kind of can you can kind of see how a ref might think that 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 uh, that the elbow was intended or the elbow was thrown and there was there was, there was any kind of motion there. Uh, it's unfortunate uh, that 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 it happened, but you know what? Credit to Colorado, they took advantage. Uh, they 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 were able to get the one zero victory. I'm pretty sure I said this would not be a, a big big high scoring game just because obviously TFC. Uh, a bit defensive minded on the road they look for the counter. Colorado's been good defensively. They're also not the most open team when it comes to trying to attack. So that's what we got. We got a 1-0 victory uh for the Rapids and that's two wins now for Pablo Masterani and you know what if they can actually uh, you know rack up some points here before Tim Howard and Jermaine Jones arrive then you, then hey, you know what's going to happen now when they get those guys later in the year um they're going to be a handful. They're going to be a handful. So it's interesting. I still, I'm not sold on their attack. I'm not. I'm still not. And again, when they get Jones and they get Howard, it's not gonna, It's not going to help their attack, but uh, they're going to be a very tough team to break down uh, once those guys uh, show up. And we'll see how we'll see how their attack continues to develop. Uh, there's still some question marks there for me, uh, but it's a win for them. Uh, and if you're TFC, obviously you're gonna feel disappointed. You're gonna feel. I know Greg Vanny didn't wasn't happy about the, the the red card. I know my man Will Johnson wasn't happy about the red card. He he went on social media and had a bit of a rant about it and threw some retweets out there. And it it, it is interesting how you know some people they, they might have an issue with a specific call, call and then and then try to kind of wrap it up in in what's going on around the league. And it's like, listen, if you have a problem with this particular call or that particular call. Then, then speak on these calls, but then try to lump it all together and say, okay, all these red cards are wrong. They're, like, they're, like, oh, there should be no red cards ever. Like, come on, man. There's, there's Some of these calls are legit. And some of these calls are close enough that, you know what, get off the whole, cons- you know, ruining the league. This is a trend that's killing the league. No, it's not. You know what kills the league? In- injured star players, injured playmakers and attackers. That ruins the league. That hurts the league much more than red cards do, especially legitimate red cards. And it's going to come down to players adapting and adjusting. Players need to adjust. Referees will adjust as well, but players need to adjust. Don't le- don't go slide tackling left and right all over the place. That's not to say slide tackles should be banned, but guess what? You better be under control if you're going to do that. And that's what we need to see more of because I I, I think a lot of these cards are legit. And not to say that the the red card in the in the TFC game was a slide tackle. Obviously, it wasn't, but. The first, yellow, uh, the first yellow was was actually on, on that kind of challenge. So there you go. Uh, up next, we have FC Dallas Columbus Crew. This was one of the matches of the weekend for me. And uh, I thought the crew had it. The crew thought they were going to get their first win of the season. Uh, but credit to FC Dallas. Tre- credit to Tesho Akindele coming off the bench. Gets the equalizer. And it's pre- probably, a, probably a pretty fair result uh, when you look at it. Uh, if you're if you're a Greg Berhalter, you're definitely not happy that you, you couldn't get the three points. But at the same time, it's a point on the road against a very tough team, one of the toughest teams in the league at home. So I, I, you know it's something to build on. It's still not a win. The crew is still winless. They're uh, they're still looking for that first win. But it's some. I think it's something to build on for them. And uh, and maybe you know what? Maybe that will kind of help wake them up a bit. I mean, I know they only scored the one goal, but uh I, I think for me it, 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 it's a it, should, it should, you should look at it as a positive I know that maybe they won't because especially because they were leading and they gave up the the goal later in the match but uh I I think the crew can come away feeling pretty should, they should come away feeling pretty good about that one as far as FC Dallas goes against tough opponent um it wasn't FC Dallas's best, best performance by any means um but uh they you know what they get a point out of a match that they were trailing in um and I still think FC Dallas is, is 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 a powerhouse. This wasn't their best game. It wasn't uh, Maxeruti's best game. wasn't it, it, it wasn't one It wasn't one they'll they'll <laughs> they'll replay over and over in uh, in Texas. But you know what? It's a point they'll take it. Uh, speaking of draws, we have Vancouver Whitecaps, LA Galaxy zero zero draw, and another game with a red card. Yes, you got it, Matias Laba. There was a lot discussed about this one. Uh, red card in, in this one, and I know when you watch it in slow mo, it didn't look that bad. It looked like he 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 didn't get McGee Mike McGee that badly on the foul. But I mean, I when you watch that play in real speed in live speed, you could I can t- absolutely see how the referee would call that, and and absolutely see how the referee would give that as a red card. Uh, I know there are a lot of people up in arms, and it's like, oh, that's not a yellow, that's not even a foul, whatever. You know what? Like, okay. If you watch the slow mo, it's easy to say, okay, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't go, he didn't hit McGee that, that, that hard, right? Or it, it, it wasn't like he went through him, and and it's like, but at the same time, it's like he's still in live play. It's again, it's going back to the same thing. He loses the ball. He's in a rush to try to get it back and make up for his 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 his, his turnover, and. He makes a bit of a clumsy challenge. It was a clumsy challenge. You can't say it wasn't a clumsy challenge because when you go in sliding and you're not you're not in control of yourself, you can make contact with a player, you can draw a card and that's what he did. Now, is it harsh? Is it a harsh red? You could argue that. You could say oh it should have been a yellow. It should right. You can oh, you can definitely say that, but at the same time, you understand where the referees are looking at this and saying, these are exactly the kind of challenges we don't want having to turn into a broken leg, you know, or a broken ankle. And that's what they're that's what they're trying to minimize. They're trying to diminish uh the, the number of slide tackles like that. And uh until you do, I mean I, I mean I think players are gonna have to adapt and, and we'll see if they will. And I think the message is pretty clear. Uh referees are not are, are are gonna punish you if you are a bit out of control on these challenges. Now credit to David Osted. big performance for him. They get the shutout. Kendall Watson with a strong effort. Uh, their defense definitely stepped up. As far as the Galaxy goes, obviously Robbie Keane being out, uh, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle for chances. They're going to struggle until they, until someone get, you know they get other people to emerge. Gio DeSantos Santos uh, get healthy. Um, it, it, there's still some question marks there for them, uh, and who's going to step up because it, it didn't look great. They, their attack that certainly didn't look didn't look that good against Vancouver. Credit some credit to Vancouver. I mean, obviously when you're a man, once you're a man down, you got to bunker in a bit. Uh, and, and kind of you know just trying to batten down the hatches when you're down a man but uh credit to them credit to the white caps to get a point and and i would say you know what they can compl- <laughs> here's what's funny and, and not to get on Vancouver too much but there was definitely a lot of complaining about the red card but at the same time it's like you sometimes you get calls and sometimes you don't get calls sometimes calls go against you and guess what Vancouver you've had calls go your way for a few weeks now. So I don't know anyone that's gonna necessarily feel bad for you, because a a a fifty-fifty call didn't go your way, or a, a a questionable call went against you. Like you've had multiple matches where penalties were awarded that you didn't deserve. So no one, like so for the fact that their entire team from Carl Robinson. The Ostead, Kendall Waston. I feel like everyone in their team came out and 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 had a whole rant about the red card situation. It's like I like listen, man. You've had calls, you've had you still have had more calls go your way. You still had more points given to you because of plays that that went your way than didn't. So I think that I I thought that was a little funny. I thought that was a little funny. So, you know, it is what it is. But big point for Vancouver considering they were down a man. And now the last two matches of uh, of week five, you have San Jose versus D.C. United. D.C. United earning the point on the road, tying the Earthquakes 1-1. Late goal by Adam John helped San Jose uh, get a point out of it. And I have to say, credit I'll give D.C. some credit here. Uh, I didn't see them getting any points out of this visit to Avaya Stadium, but they did. They were able to get the, the draw. They almost got the win. They're going to feel a little disappointed to give up the late goal, but uh, credit to uh, D.C. and Ben Olsen. For going on a road and getting a point against a pretty a pretty tough San Jose team, uh, the earth, the earthquakes didn't quite uh, play up to the the expectations. I thought I really thought they would they would handle DC, but credit again to DC and their defense, particularly. Uh, obviously, their newer midfielders uh, Patrick Nyarko and, and Lamar Nagel uh, did well in this game, uh, and then obviously the defense with Burnbaum back from national team duty, uh, Bobby, Bos- Bobby Boswell, Taylor Kemp. Uh, with solid performance uh, and, and a good point for them. Maybe, maybe they can build off of that. Still a lot of question marks about their, their attack in general. But to get a point on the road to San Jose, very solid for them. And uh, we'll see where they go from there. And last but certainly not least, Orlando City and Portland. Orlando City with the big 4-1 victory uh, in, a, in a game that, I you know, I, th- I thought we'd see fireworks. I actually, I, I thought Kakao would have a big game in his first 2016 appearance but man he really lit it up uh goal and two assists and really ran uh Portland's midfield ragged uh you know everyone knows about Portland's midfield and how solid they are MLS cup winning midfield but on this day Kaká had his way with them particularly with Diego Chara uh who who will not want to remember this game at all um and again it wasn't just Chara uh Portland as a team they really just weren't clicking uh Barnby made his first start for them, uh started at left back. He he struggled. Definitely he struggled. He may he might have been their worst player. It, him and Charles both struggled both struggled. And overall, even that that and that Borgers gets beat on, on the Seb Hines goal. Uh but again, some credit to Orlando City. They definitely did the job. Uh their midfield, especially. Their midfield impressive considering you're going up against a team like Portland with the midfield weapons they have, and they really just shut the Timbers down uh, for a large part of this game. Darlington Nagby, extremely quiet. And I was curious to see how he'd respond after not uh, getting the nod for the U.S. against Guatemala in Columbus. I thought maybe he'd come out and really kind of show why he should have been in that game. And he, he against Orlando City, he was very quiet. Diego Valeri, uh, you know, he, he didn't have much of an impact when the game was still in doubt. Uh, and how about Breck Shea? Uh, interesting day for him. He scores an, an insanely beautiful goal. Nice give and go with Kakab before, before curling the left-footed shot. However, he did have an ugly tackle before that, which definitely should have been a red card, especially by MLS standards. Uh, but it was not called a red card. He was given a yellow. Uh, I'm recording this on this segment on Wednesday, and uh, the ruling has come down. Breck Shea has been suspended for that tackle. Rightly so, I don't think anyone's surprised by that. The disciplinary committee committee coming down hard on, on him and uh you completely understand that what why why he gets the red card, but uh, a very but you know that aside, a very good performance from Shea. He's he started the year off well and he uh he's a guy that Klinsman's going to have to start taking a look at again. I'm sure he is looking at Breck Shea because we know based on past history that that he he's a fan of Breck Shea. And given the lack of left back options, why not go with a guy who you have a track record of of calling in, and who's playing a position where there just aren't a lot of good options? So, I think Breck Shea, harsh you know ugly tackles aside, his is positioning himself for a return to the national team. And as far as Orlando City as a whole, I mean, to win four one and not have Kyle Aaron do much. Kyle Aaron had a, a hamstring injury uh, that he was carrying. It looks like in this game, came out a bit early, didn't have much of an impact. He clearly wasn't hundred percent uh but still it was enough with kaka and kevin molino and breck shea uh, doing doing a lot of the damage and, and kevin molino how about him him he scores his first mls goal hats off to him uh it was a penalty but he did draw the penalty and uh, i've heard so many great things about molino before he suffered the injury uh, it was really looking like you know he could he could he have a big year uh, I, I still remember in the winter before their first season uh, having a conversation with Phil Rollins about him and uh, we actually made a bit of a wager that uh, uh Molina would make the all-star team and I and at the time I was like okay I'll take that bet I mean nothing against Molina but I don't see him making the all-star team now obviously he got hurt so that that you know that that did help things but still he's a quality player he's back now he's healthy and um he's going to be a big big factor in in whatever Orlando City does this year and I think they they have a chance to do some big things this Orlando City team is for real uh they're going to have a tough test though going up to Philly on Friday, uh, without several players, uh, Tommy Redding looks like he suffered a concussion and doesn't look like he'll play. Breck Shea has been suspended, as I mentioned. Uh, Kyle Laren may not play because of the hamstring thing. So right there, that's three of your big guys. Uh, and it's, so it's going to test their depth. Uh, we'll see what the their, their other players can do. That's a big question for them, obviously, improving the depth and, and with additions like Antonio Nocerino and, and, and uh, Julio Baptista, they're, they're hoping that they have a, a deeper bench, a stronger bench uh, to deal with these type of situations. And we'll see now. This will be the first real test of that bench uh, in Philly on Friday. And that wraps up MLS Week 5. Uh, moving on now to the Americans Abroad a portion of the, of the show. And Matt Miazga gets the headlines, makes his first start for Chelsea, uh, and in a, in a shutout victory against Aston Villa. Now, uh, this is a great step for him, you know, first step, you get your start against Aston Villa. Next step, you'll get to play against the team, uh, that's actually in the English Premier League. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, my apologies to all you Aston Villa fans out there who I may have offended. Uh, it wasn't exactly the toughest test to trot him out in, but again, that's what you want. If, as a team, you know, you have a young defender, Put him in a situation like this. this is a perfect match for Miazga to step into and he did well he did well Goose Hitting was impressed uh, and and uh, it's a good first step for him again it's a lot is gonna this summer and, and, and heading into the preseason next year a lot is gonna depend on how Antonio Conte sees him Co- Antonio Conte has been announced as Chelsea's next manager so he will be Miazga's next coach and obviously Conte is a, a big uh, stickler for defense he's a big Uh, when it comes to defending, he is obviously being Italian is a strong emphasis on defending. Uh, and I'm sure he will work on Miazga's game. Assuming Miazga sticks around at Chelsea and assuming he's not loaned out. I wouldn't go as far as to say that because he played in this game and started in this Villa game, that he is definitely not going to get loaned out next year. I wouldn't go that far. Let's see how the year ends out. I mean, if he gets a run of starts, then that's one thing. But giving him a kind of giving him a start against the worst team in the English Premier League isn't exactly a, a sign, a clear-cut sign that that they, that he's in their plans for next year. So uh, time will tell. I think the next the coming weeks will tell. We'll see how much playing time Miyazaki gets going forward. But again, still promising first step for him. Uh, great experience for him, and and I know I, I said last week uh, that you know there was always the question of well if he hadn't gone to Chelsea maybe he would have been in better form uh with the U23s for the Olympic qualifying playoff that may I still believe that to be true but now having said that I also said uh, I wouldn't begr- I don't begrudge him making the move to Chelsea and I'm sure at this point he's definitely not regretting the move to Chelsea I mean aside from the fact that he's making a lot more money now he's gotten a chance to play there his first premier league start uh, he's gotten a taste of the big time and now he had, now he has a chance to see how close he is to that and we'll see and we'll see how he does going forward and now he has Jurgen klinsman talking about him uh as a as an outside outside shot of making Copa america so you know what uh future's definitely still bright for him uh we'll see how the next couple of months plays out uh in his future uh, and uh as far as that's it for as far as americans abroad that was the big story obviously fabian johnson once again had another good game uh rubio rubin was on the bench for fcu track uh, that's a little small step for him. Uh, see if he returns from injury. Uh, he, he's one to watch for sure. Uh, for those of you who have forgotten, the young defender, the, the I mean, the young forward, the under twenty World Cup star. Uh, he's been out for about five months with a with a fractured uh, foot, with a broken foot, but he's back now. And uh, I put him down as a bit of an outsider, as a bit of a dark horse candidate to make the Copa America team, especially if there are injuries at the forward position. There just aren't many forward options, so it's possible. I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, and uh, last but certainly not least, we have a couple more notes. We have the NESL opening weekend and uh, there were some there were some snoozers. there were some zero0 games, which you know, you, you hate to see. Uh, but there uh, there also was some some good performances, uh, some, uh, some teams that really made some statement victories. Carolina RailHawks defeating the Minnesota. Uh, what do we call them now do we call them the Minnesota United Minnesota United the loons uh, whoever whatever you want to call them they have lost their opening match Carolina Railhawks big opening victory for them uh, and uh, there were only two teams that actually there were five of the five matches this weekend there were only two games uh, that were actually not draws Carolina with one and the New York Cosmos with a 3-0 pounding of Ottawa now we obviously know Co- the Cosmos they're the defending champions Uh, Raul has moved on he's retired Marco Senna's retired so the big question is how will they adapt and adjust to life after Raul and Marco Senna well guess what Juan Arango has come in and he's uh, made a pretty strong statement right off the bat uh, with a big performance in his Cosmos debut Uh, so that's definitely an encouraging step for them for the Cosmos as they look to repeat and maintain their dominance in NASL and and it's a big win for them Uh, the other three results we had Miami FC make their NASL debut with a 1-1 draw against Fort Lauderdale, bit of a gut punch last second uh, equalizer for Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure if you're in Miami, you're, you're hating the, the way that game finished up, but still, I, I think, you know, an impressive first game for them considering they're an expansion team going up against a pretty strong uh, a strikers team, so that's good for them. And then we had the 2 zero zeros. We had Tampa Bay and Indy 11, 0-0s. Zero uh, in a game where uh, you, two of the players I, I, I would like to have seen, if I was if I was going to watch this game, I'd wanna uh, I would want to have watched Freddie Adu and Dylan Mayers, and neither of them st- started in this game. Freddie Adu didn't dress. Uh, I believe there's an injury involved with Freddie Adu. Uh, I haven't gotten that confirmed, but I had I had been told in the preseason that he was uh, working out uh, an injury situation. So you know, even without the, even without him though, you would think that the, Tampa Bay with their attack. The addition of Tom Heineman, Eric Avila, Khalif Al-Hassan, that they'd be able to score a goal on the in the opening week, but they didn't. Uh, that has, so that has to be a disappointing start for uh, for Stuart Campbell and the Rowdies. Zero zero, good good draw for Indy Eleven. Last but not least, we have OKC against FC Edmonton. Another zero zero. The less said about that game, the better. Uh, we'll see if there are some more goals in Week Two of the NASL. And now it's time for the Q&A portion of the SBI show. I know uh, I, was, I tried to have a QA and a last time around. I uh, wasn't able to get it going uh, for the last episode, but we've got, we have some questions in this time around uh, that I plan on getting to here. And we're going to start off with the big question about red cards. Has there been more red cards given this year? in MLS than usual by this point in the season from Caleb Friedrich. Uh, Caleb, uh, it's more than most years, but it's not outrageously more. It's a couple more than past years. And as I said earlier, you know, I think a lot of the calls are are legitimate or understandable. So have there been some bad calls? Absolutely. But of the 16 red cards, I, I mean, I would say at most maybe three or four, you could definitely say, okay, those didn't need to happen. The rest I can understand so do I think there's a problem? Do I think the state of the game is in disarray because of the the changes, the mandates handed down by by the league and the referee's interpretation of that? No, I don't think it's the end of the world. But I think players need to adjust, and I think players will adjust. So I don't think it's nearly as much a problem as, as some people are uh, making it out to be. Uh, let's see. Uh, next question. Tyler Dunaway. How big of an impact is the stadium delay for Atlanta United? Uh, Good question. Obviously, the Mercedes-Benz, is it the Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Whatever the name of the stadium is. The stadium in Atlanta, uh, the construction has been been delayed. They're they're behind schedule. They won't have the stadium ready for the start of the 2017 MLS season. Uh, Basically, I mean, it's a tough one for an expansion team to have to deal with that, to have to deal with starting its existence on the road with a lengthy road trip. Uh, now, having said that, uh, you know, sometimes it can help you because one, you, you have to think that as an expansion team, the early part of the season will be tough as, as the team comes together and players adjust to the league. You're obviously going to have, a, a, you know, plenty of new players on the team that are new to MLS. So they're going to be the growing pains early on. But then again, on the other side of it, when, when Atlanta has most of its home games later in the year, you would hope that it's when the team is more... Put together and it's 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 has a chance has had a chance to gel so from that standpoint it could actually be, be a blessing in disguise um it's not ideal obviously you'd rather start uh the the season there and and and, and have it all kick off with the opening week i mean I, I i'll admit i was definitely looking forward to going to atlanta for, the, for their first game uh now uh, i'll have to go somewhere else wherever their first game is uh but whenever it happens i think it'll be great and uh i think that there's a positive to it and obviously there's a negative to the late start but it's not all bad i guess i'll wrap it up in saying that uh tyler dunaway uh next one leo Novakovsky asks what kind of bump did you get when klinsman tweeted your article uh good question i don't know what kind of bump i get i'm always a little wary when Klinsman uh, retweets um, uh, any articles that, that, that I write. Actually, it wasn't my article that he retweeted. I think he retweeted an SBI article. He has retweeted uh, mygold.com pieces, I think, before. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, you know, he's reading. If, any, if it shows you anything, it's that he reads. And he, he he's out there. He sees what's going on. And I know all coaches like to pretend that they don't know what's going on in the media. All players like to pretend that they don't read what's out there. They read. And not all of them do, but some of them definitely do. And coaches definitely... If they don't read their, they got they have somebody reading for them, so they know what's being said, they know what's being written, and anyone who saw Klinsman's uh, press conference after the Guatemala win knows that he's he's paying attention to what's being said about him and about his uh, about his decision. So there you go. Um, let's see, Uh en- Enrica, I'm sorry, Enri. I guess I'll just say, when will we ever see more soccer specific shows on TV? Uh, not enough. Spanish has a line full. That's a good question. That's a good question. I, uh, we, we definitely don't have enough enough Spanish. Uh, I'm sorry. Enough soccer shows out there. Uh, ESPNFC is one. The locker room is one. Being Sports has one. Uh, I, I guess ben and I guess Men in Blazers you can is, is is considered one. Although it's very. Spe- it feel. I feel like it's very specific to the Premier League. Um that's a good question. Hopefully that day is fast approaching where we'll have more soccer shows, more more soccer talk shows and that kind of thing. More 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 of a TV presence. That'd be great. Um and you know what? I, that'd be great for me. I'd like, like, like to get on TV. Uh once again, I used to do I used to do some TV work when I was at Fox Soccer. Uh, when they back with the first go around that when they had MLS, I used to do pregame show uh, segments and whatnot. I wouldn't mind doing that again. Uh, I probably need to lose some weight so I can look like, not look like I'm 5,000 pounds on TV, but you know what? Maybe I'll get back on there and, uh, that'd be great. I'll be, I'll be working on that. I'll work on my TV game and, uh, and work on getting slimmer so I can be ready for when the call comes to get back on the TV horse uh let's see here sergeant awesome oh carrie muller again carrie muller uh th- th- who was very uh, very prominent in my latest facebook live q a and for those of you who aren't up on that uh i, I every tuesday i hold a live Q&A, a live video q a on my facebook page uh on my uh you can find you just just type my name into facebook you'll find my uh if you see me with a hat on that's my personal page don't go there Go to my uh, go to my journalist page where I look all official with my you know jacket and collared shirt and all that. Check it out. Every Tuesday I do live Q&A uh, where I take questions from people from all over the world. Literally, um, you know, the goal, the goal.com international network uh, puts the word out on those. And and we get pretty, pretty good turnouts for that. I think we had up to like 12,000 at one point. For the last live Q and A, uh, and I'm always hung. I'm always looking for MLS and national U S national team questions. I always get a thousand, you know, uh, you know, I always get like five hundred Messi, Ronaldo questions, and, and Real Madrid, Barcelona, and all that from the international audience. But I'm always, I'm always looking for the good MLS questions, good U S national team questions, uh, and uh, credit to Carrie, M- Carrie Mueller who who definitely has come through with with some good ones. And here's another good one from Carrie, uh, And there, the question is, what are your top three surprises, player, teams, etc., for you in the first month of MLS? Uh, and that's a good question. I really like that question, actually. Top three surprises. Uh, I'd say Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake is one. Uh, as much as they, you know, uh, they shouldn't have, they showed something in the Champions League. Uh, in uh, quarterfinals that that maybe hinted at they would that they would be good this year, but I, I still feel overall you have to be surprised that 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 they're one of the two lone remaining unbeaten teams, uh, in this season. So I think uh, so far at this point in the season and, and the win in in Sporting Kansas City was big. So I'd say Salt so Lakes won, uh, Orlando City, I'd say is number two. Uh, they're the uh, Oleño City is the other unbeaten team, and 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 their victory against Portland was definitely an eye opener. Uh, what they've done to start the year, I think, has been very good. So I think those two—that's one and two—and and and probably I'd say uh, number three would be these slow starts uh, by by the teams that were expected to be powerhouses this year. Uh, I know that's kind of a, a little convoluted third, but Columbus Red Bulls. Seattle uh, all three of those teams you know came into the year with some high expectations especially Columbus and the Red Bulls I mean I, I mean I thought the crew were a supporter shield favorite I mean I had them as a sports Shield favorite they don't even have a win yet I think that you know what I might even say the crew by themselves are probably the biggest surprise the Red Bulls aren't a huge aren't a complete surprise because uh, let's face it their defense was a question mark coming into the year um, their attack has been m- probably more stagnant than I thought it'd be, but Columbus, I don't know anyone who would have seen, who would have, who would have pegged Columbus to be one of the winless teams in MLS as we walk, as we head into April. I don't know anyone who would have said that, especially considering they they brought back most of their team, all, they brought back all of their key starters. Uh, it'd be one thing if you said like, or, you know, if, I don't know, I'd say them, I'd say the Columbus crew. Slow start for me has been been a surprise. Has been really surprised. And now in terms of players, and I know people always asking about players. Um, I mean, there's some players who I think have have stepped up and really kind of turned some heads early on this year. Uh, Warren Craval in Philly, I think, has done really well. Uh, he's someone that that deserves some some credit for for stepping up and uh, in the absence of Marisa, who has been injured, so that that's a big one. He, I think, he's even though he got a red card in the last game, uh, I still think he's had a good season uh for philly so and and you know what that's he's one of the reasons why i think as a team there they are where they are and they, they're a team you could also put up as a surprise uh, as a pleasant surprise to start the season so uh he's one player that comes to mind i'm trying to think who else comes to mind as far as surprises um it's pretty wide open it's pretty it, 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 he's one that comes to mind though uh, i will have to think give that one a little more thought uh, and then I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> and the next question is from Jeff Cameron's hair. Why is Jeff Cameron so underrated by U.S. soccer fans? You know, that's a good question. I think he should be uh, talked about a lot more. Uh, we're talking about a guy who can play three different positions. He can play center back, right back, defensive midfielder. Play them all well. Uh, he's going to – he's – you could argue he's the best center back the U.S. has. And now that he's getting some ga- – now, now that he's getting games again at center back, and I've said it a million times for anyone who's listened to the show – on a consistent basis, when Jeff Cameron is getting consistent game, when he's getting games at center back, he's the best center back we have, the the, the, the best center back the U.S. national team has. So uh, now that he's getting some, getting some games there, you see it. You see you see how comfortable he can be at the position. So um, he. But again, defenders are always kind of taken for granted, aren't they? even when they play well. And I mean, look at Carlos Bocanegra. I mean, he's just kind of, I feel like really good defenders are kind of security blankets that you don't appreciate them until you don't have them or until they move on. Then it's like, Oh man, I still wish, I still wish the U S had an 80 Pope or a Bocanegra when they, in their primes. Like, I think that's going to happen to Cameron. I think Cameron is, is, is he's such a big part now, but when the time comes and he's not there anymore, maybe then, uh, people will appreciate him. Uh, let's see what other questions we have here. Uh, it, uh, from NBA, uh, it people need to use it use their like full name on Facebook. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, on Twitter. Uh, you don't have to make your handle your name. I, don't, I think some people have to figure that out. But the question is, is the U S national team best with a two striker system or a lone striker? I've never liked the U S when they play with the lone striker. Um, so I would, I would say they, they've usually looked better. With a with a two striker system, even if this even if it's a second striker, uh, who's almost you know practically a midfielder, you could have Clinton Dempsey play as a second striker, and he's spending more time in midfield than up top. But you don't want what you don't want is having Josie Altador all alone by himself with no one around. Him. That that we've seen that enough times to know that that's really not the best use of the of the personnel that you have. The U.S. works better in a four four two, uh, and I don't know. I'm trying to think. You know, maybe. It, could it? It also I think depends on the midfielders you use. Could the four two three one work? I think that's a that's a good question. I think um, you know if Darlington Nagby eventually uh, makes himself a part of the system of the setup, I think he could be a factor in helping a four two three one work. Uh, when you think about a, a Bradley uh, Bradley Nagby Dempsey uh, midfield diamond uh, underneath, um, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. So, but overall though. To the two forward system has looked better for the U.S. Um, and uh, another question from NBat, uh, which is I normally only take one per person, but actually should. This is a good question. If you could take one Mexican national team player for the U.S., who would it be? Man, that's a good one. I'm gonna have to go, Chicharito. Um, just be, you know, th- there's so many good players for, on Mexico right on the Mexican team right now. Uh, You could definitely argue that, you know, maybe as far as defender go, you could say Hector Moreno in in, in the U.S. center back situation. But as far as forwards go, there's no one like Chicharito right now on the U.S. team. So, I mean, if you could plug him in, (laughs) that that would definitely help some things. Um, So, yeah, I'd probably go Chicharito. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone uh, someone, and I'm sure some people will disagree. Maybe some will say Guardado or Herrera, Hector Herrera or even the young guys now uh, that they have coming up but i would i would have to go chicharito uh let's see i think i think it's a pretty good number of questions uh here's another one from ray pidge stereo <laughs> when does garrett come back good question garrett is uh well he's just busy you know he's got his job and and he's out in the west coast or so part of the reason our schedule has never worked is because of the time difference and because of you know now that he has a he has an office job, so to speak. He, he it's not as it's not as easy for him to to for us to get our schedules in order. Scheduling is always a tough part for whoever you you try to work with. I mean, even with Paul Tenorio, uh, we have our issues uh, trying to get on the same page on scheduling. So it, it is what it is. But the good thing is now I can now that I'm I keep as a basis as a as a foundation for the show. I can do the show by myself that definitely makes it easier to do. Obviously it didn't help this week because the show is dropping on Wednesday night instead of on Monday, but at least now I can definitely get a show out. I, we can talk that we can you know I, I'm able now to talk about week 5 before it's too late. And now looking ahead to week, you know, week 6 will be the next show uh which will which I'll definitely have. Um I'm going to try to drop that uh by Friday, early Friday instead of late Friday like the last couple of shows. Um so, yeah, it's not easy, it's not, but we will get him on. We will get Garrett on this month at some point, guaranteed. I'm I'm calling it now, and if it doesn't happen, blame Garrett. That's basically the, the MO, and, and if it doesn't work, we'll blame Garrett for that one. Uh, I'll take uh, – here. here's two more, two more, and then we'll wrap up because uh, I'm sure at this point uh, – I don't know if we've gone over an hour yet, but uh, AJ Adam asks, what do you think bad start record-wise, uh, but given how they've played the last two games – their record undersells them. I'll, I'll translate for you. Basically, the question is, <coughs> are the Red Bulls better than the record that they have to start the season? Uh, does the record maybe not indicate how well they've played? Um, so they're 1-3 so in three right now, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know how many good games they've had. They've played one good half all year. They've played one good half out of four games. So I don't know if the record undersells them. I think you could argue it's t- completely fair. You've had one good half out of eight, so one win out of four is not – that's pretty, pretty even. So, no, I don't think the record undersells them. I think I, I think they, they haven't played up to their ability yet uh, other than the, the second half against the Houston Dynamo. Uh, but I think their time will come. I think they'll straighten things out. Um, but, again, the defense is going to continue to be a question mark for them for the foreseeable future. And we'll see how Gideon Ba and Ronald Zubar uh, respond once they return from injury. And uh, we'll see how that defense comes together. Uh, last one. The last one from my man, Robert W. Cross, the boss. Will Klinsman choose old dogs over new faces at Copa? Good question. Uh, I'd say they are going to be some old dogs. I think you're going to see uh, Jermaine Jones. You're going to see Kyle Beckerman. Clint Dempsey you'll see even. I mean, you have to see him because he's if he's healthy because he's good. He's still one of the top guys. Uh, but I also think you'll see a couple of young players sprinkled in. I think you, I think Jordan Morris will be there uh, if he's healthy. I think you could see Christian Pulisic uh, potentially be there. So I think there'll be a mix of both. Um, but no, I don't see him uh, kicking the old guys to the curb. I think if there's any, if there's an old player that could definitely be left out of the Copa it's Nick Ramondo. I, th- I think I think could be ready to go have a look at players like David Bingham, Willem Yarbrough. Ethan Horvath uh some of the younger goalkeepers to try, to start looking at that next generation because are uh, you know the two main guys have gotten old quick quickly and they, their time their time is running out. Tim Howard is def he's not what he was. He's not the player that he used to be. Uh and Brad Guzan is 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 not on the level that he once that he was even a year ago. So if you're looking at that, you're looking at two guys in their 30s. Uh I know for goalkeeper that's not super old, but it's time to look at some younger guys, so I think yes, I think we would see, we will probably see a young goalkeeper make the Copa roster, and uh, I think that's it. Uh, as far as the Q and A, uh, definitely thanks for submitting those. Anytime you have a question you want submitted to the show, uh, just send it along uh, on Twitter and send it with the hashtag. Ask the SBI show. Uh, don't, you don't have to wait for me to tweet out that I'm doing a QA. and a Anytime you want to ask a question, throw it on Twitter with that hashtag. And then when I do a QA, and I'll just search it. I'll search the hashtag and I'll find your question whenever it may be. Uh, and uh, I kind of want to start doing some giveaways with that, with the Q&As, uh, you know, the people with the good question. Uh, I might I might uh, randomly pick someone to, to, to give some give some prizes away to I mean it won't be any, it won't be anything too crazy maybe a scarf maybe a uh, media guide from the team you're choosing if I haven't thrown them all out or any of the random books that I have uh, soccer related um, sorry if it's nothing that fun I might have some jerseys that I'm ready to give away as well so yeah it's time uh, it's kind of like the SBI garage sale slash uh prize giveaway for our, our uh our QA. So keep an eye out for that and feel free to tweet a question anytime you feel like it. And uh I think we've touched on a lot of different topics. The last but certainly not least, um, and I've said that twice already so I might have to delete that. Uh the the last topic we'll touch on is Abby Wombach and her DUI in Portland. Uh and normally, you know, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't necessarily have gotten into it, but it, it kind of crossed over into the U.S. men's national team conversation because a couple of U.S. men's national team players commented on Wambach's, uh DUI arrest, and it it kind of set off a mini firestorm among uh, women's, U.S. women's fans who kind of took offense to the fact that you had two men's players comment on it, kind of go at Abby Wambach. Uh, was it the best time thing? No, definitely not. Alejandro Bedoya, Josie Alcidore... Did they need to tweet that? Did they need to tweet that stuff? No, they definitely didn't need to do it. Uh, I understand what the essence of it is, and it, no, I, and I don't, I don't, I really don't think it, it's oh, they hate women, they hate the women's national team, they hate women's soccer. It's not that deep, people. It really isn't. It, what it comes down to, in my opinion, now again, it's my opinion, and uh, I know both those guys pretty well. I've known them both a long time. Um, I really think it comes down to the fact that they just weren't—they just don't like Abby Wambach, especially after her comments about foreign players on the on the U.S. national team, on specifically on the U.S. men's national team. She came out a while back and kind of ripped ripped the whole idea of, uh, you know, dual nationals who choose to play for the U.S. like you know, particularly like German, the German Americans basically who we're talking about now with Bedoya. And Altidore, they they're they're pretty ch- pretty tight with some of those guys. Definitely, I know for a fact Altidore is very tight with with a lot of the German Americans. And I and I think we saw from both of them when Womack first made her remarks that the reaction was not a positive one. They weren't happy about it. Definitely Bedoya, I know for a fact was not happy about it. So when when you feel someone kind of goes at your friends, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hang on to a little resentment. And I'm sure uh, that is they were holding on to that when this whole thing came out with with Abby One by so was it the best reaction no i mean for me uh, the i always give the example that that's one of those where you write it and then you delete it like you write it and then you del- you don't you don't send you don't send the tweet you delete it or you dm it to a friend of yours uh, i i've definitely have a couple of friends who you know if i have a if i have an idea for a tweet i'm, I'm that i think uh you know basically if you have to think about it, you probably shouldn't send it. That's an old, old standby. But if you have to send it, and, you, and you're not so sure, send it. Send it to a friend. Uh, DM it. That's what DMs are for, right? So, I don't know. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a good look. It was not a good look. It wasn't needed. Uh, I get why they did it. Um, it doesn't make them bad people. It was just. It. They weren't. They weren't the best. It wasn't the best choice of. Uh, it wasn't the best use of social media um i i i did <laughs> it, it was it was funny to see the reaction to it because there were definitely uh some some really vicious replies uh from the you know the twitter uh the abby wombach twitter defense league which came into action uh age ranging from 12 to 19 of uh, of, of abby wombach fans who really don't like the men's national team apparently so uh which is understandable. Hey, look, they're fans. They love Abby Wambach. Some they see someone publicly going at her, they're gonna they're gonna go crazy. Um, but it is what it is. It was not needed, though. I will say that the they, Bedoya Altador, they didn't need to do it. Is it a sign of some systemic issue between the men's team and the women's team? No, I don't see that. I really don't. Uh, there's no issues there. There's no. I really. I think it came. It, it really boils down to. Bedoya and Altidore resenting and and not liking Wambach because of the comments that she made recently and and, and that stuff was still fresh. They didn't react pr- properly to it because you know what? What if she's not guilty? Then you then you like complete ass. And she's she's already now I know she apologized that day, but now she's pled not guilty. I I, I haven't I haven't dug into all the details of the latest on that, but either way, if you're a pro athlete. Uh, in that situation you probably wanna you probably don't want to send those tweets. That's 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 all you can that's all you can say. That's all I can say about it. So uh but it, i don't think it's anything anything beyond that though. And I know I know conspiracy theorists will try to say there's more to that, but I really don't think there's more to that. So um
1: so yeah, so I think that's it.
0: That's that wraps it up for another SBI show. Once again, my apologies for the delay in getting it out, and also for the lack of guests. We, uh, I, we work very hard Wednesday and Thursday to lock up some guests. I will be heading to Philly on Friday for the Union game, and then I will be heading to the Red Bull Arena on Saturday, and I'll be at Yankee Stadium on Sunday. It's another one of those three-game weekends. Uh, which we can have now because we have all these teams here, which is crazy to think. When I mean, I, when I started covering the league in '99, uh, you had to go four hours to DC if you wanted to see two games in a weekend, and even then, it'd be it'd be pushing it. So it's great to be able to see three games in one weekend and uh looking forward to it some good ones some definitely some good ones kc red bulls is gonna be a very good one union orlando will be a good one even though orlando's gonna be missing some key players i still think that's gonna be a hell of a game so uh that's it that's all for now thank you for listening definitely if you haven't yet uh give us give give me a review give our show my show review on itunes i I, I i'd love to get some feedback Leave some comments in the comment section uh, on SBI. Uh, and, and once again, as I said before, if you haven't yet, uh, make sure you like my Facebook page because uh, I'm definitely trying to pump that up and, and do more things on that page uh, to uh, to end as well as the show. So uh, that's it. That's all for now. Once again, I'm Ivis Colarsen. This is the SBI show.